and welcome to this week's Tez Effie podcast. My name's Kate Parker and I'm joined by Julie Bamatai. Hello. Hello, and it's an exciting day for us today. Tonight yes, is the Tez Effie Awards. Woohoo! Have you ironed your frock? I have, and as you can tell, I've clearly been shouting about it all week. That's why my <laughs> voice is a little bit hoarse. I'm very excited myself. Classic <laughs> before the actual <laughs> night of itself. <laughs> You're not going to be able to speak all weekend after all the screaming tonight. I know, I know. It is such a, we are both really looking forward to it, aren't we? It is such a lovely evening. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, I do still sort of wish that we could do it face to face and that we could all be in a room and actually clap for the people um, that are going to be taking home these awards. But, you know, this is the best we can do for now. And it's going to be rather excellent. You know, they are the biggest and best awards of their of their kind. And they will recognise the very best of the sector across the UK, which is, you know, something that I always like shouting about that we actually recognize institutions and people and teams wherever you are in the UK. So obviously tonight you're going to be on your sofa watching. Yeah. And sure, I think obviously we had we had it online last year as well. And when I spoke to many of the winners afterwards, they were saying, so like Helena Good said to me, she's, she won Teacher of the Year last year, that actually being at home was quite nice because she could have all her family with her. And obviously when you go to the Grove, now you can't, you know, you sat with your colleagues. Yeah, we frown upon, upon people bringing more than 10 people with them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, and she was saying it was actually really nice because when she won, she didn't have to feel like, sad for the people that didn't win that were also in the room she could just like be really excited to really go for it no need to be gracious you can just, no, just you can go just, for it yeah she screamed the house down and I think that is that is a really nice thing also I mean I'm so nosy I love seeing what people's you know houses and living rooms look like that they're celebrating it that's always quite entertaining I think when you look through the pictures <laughs> so you and I are both hoping for a lot of people tweeting what they're wearing and where they're watching and who they're yes. watching with and what they're eating and who their favourite winners were. So just make sure that you do that with the Tessa V Awards hashtag and uh, mostly really to uh, ensure Kate and my entertainment for the evening. Yes, exactly. So we are looking really looking forward to that tonight, but obviously we'll talk through some of the other stories that we think are worth highlighting over the past couple of weeks. So um, today we've published a profile with the one and only, the man, the legend, <laughs> David Hughes. The I mean, you really wouldn't know, you would really think that you wouldn't know everything there is to know about David Hughes. He's been around the sector for some time, um, but it turns out not so much. I mean, you know, I, it's fair to say I learned a fair deal about him and uh, he had a great story to tell. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's just, he's so he is one of those people that you just talk to and he just anecdote after anecdote and it's all really wonderful. You know, he talked about his favourite teacher at school, Mr. Mycock, who um, it was, he said that when... He was disruptive in class. Um, Can you imagine David Hughes being disruptive? I mean, that's... Apparently, apparently so. Um, he's just got so bored, you know, he's too clever for the rest of them. Well, you know. <laughs> and, um, and the, so Mr. Michael was saying to him, here's 50p, go and get me a 10-pack of Benson's from the shop. And David obviously said to me, now, clearly he wouldn't do that. But at the time, it was really good for him because it kind of took him out of the classroom when he was getting frustrated and... You know, he had a bit of a walk, had a bit of a thing, came back and then he was ready to learn again. So that was really nice. And he, one story in particular that I think, you know, has kind of touched a lot of people, including, you know, David's mum, who he told me couldn't stop crying and, you know, um, showing the piece to all of her friends, is when he talked about her being the biggest influence in his life and his career to date. So here's a small clip you might need tissues for this it is it does make you well up a little bit um so here's a lovely clip of david talking about his mum and why she's such an inspiration to him 
at the risk of sounding really cheesy, I think it is my mum, actually. Um, so my mum left school at 15 um, and had four children um, by the age of 25 um, and then worked incredibly hard to bring us up and to, you know, make sure that we had the right values and um, believed in ourselves. And, you know, I've got three older brothers who've all been successful having left school at 16 um, in their respective careers. Um, I, for various reasons, partly because um, when I told them I was going to go to um, uh, apply to Cambridge University, they all laughed at me and said, uh, David, people like us don't go to Cambridge. We don't even go to university, just don't even dream. You yeah. know? Um, and because I'm slightly, I have a slightly perverse, perverse, perverse kind of... Um, uh, personality, I went, right, okay, I'll prove that we, that we can. Yeah. I did, you know, and, and so that kind of drove me. But, but the reason she's been, so for all of those reasons, because she created that atmosphere in which we believed in ourselves, which I think is phenomenal, and I think that's what you want for every child, is not delusionally, but just to believe that you can and to be confident in yourself. She did that for all of us. Yeah. But then... When I went to university, I said, so why don't you go to university? And, and um, she was doing evening classes, doing in, uh, French and Spanish. So she got her GCSE French and her GCSE Spanish and then went on um, and did an access course and then went to university to do a joint uh, French and Spanish language degree um, in her mid-50s. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah, and I, I still... Remember her graduation when me and my three brothers um, were um, uh, went to it, and it was quite, you know, quite a classic, you know, sort of official, formal, you know, graduation. People clapping politely as the, the students went up to stage yeah. to get their scroll. And um, when she went up, um, she turned around and waved to us, and we all stood up and cheered oh. um, loudly. And we hadn't planned it. We just did it instinctively. And it was kind of, um, I still think that's one of really the best Really special moments. moment, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so if and, that, we... and, that, and that adult bit is, is I think, you know, the, it, she never believed that she was clever. She never believed that she could get a degree. Um, and she did it in her late 50s. Did, you know, did, she was 58 when she graduated. Did she um, go on and change, like, did she change her career after that? Um, she, well, she got... Um, she ended up doing a, a variety of different jobs, and I don't think she, in a sense, it didn't change her working life, but it changed her sense of who she was. Yeah. And it just gave her, it just enriched her life. You know, she she lived in Seville for nine months wow. um, as a result of it, you know, which was really hard, actually, for her, because she she literally never lived away from home. <laughs> she, she'd gone from her own family house into her married house. You know, she, she had the first child within just like, just under a year after getting married. She had four kids. So she was living in this busy, you know, all her life. And then she went to and had to live on her own in Spain, you know, in a city she didn't know, talking a language she was trying to learn, you know. And that, I think, I just think it's incredible, really. Uh, are you sobbing there, Julia? Um, uh, well, I've, this is not the first time I've heard him say it, so um, I'm getting better. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, not a dryer in the house. 
<laughs> no. And another key thing that we wanted to highlight was, the, I think, firstly, I do think this is really good news about T-levels and employers each getting £1,000 for every T-level uh, work placement they offer. Well, so we, I mean, you and I have talked about this in this very podcast a few times now, the, the sort of challenge on how do you find employers that are willing and able to offer placements? And, you know, should you need a financial incentive? Probably not. It would be great if employers just saw this as part of their, you know, their role and, you know, didn't need the money, for lack of a better phrase. But, you know, it's it's a, a good amount of money and it will help, hopefully, encourage lots of people taking taking people on. There are some limitations, aren't there, on the number that you can take on and, and how much you're going to get? Yeah, so you can take up to a maximum of 20 students, uh, but you can claim £1,000 per student. So if you take t- 20 students, that's 20 grand. Um, which, you know, for, for a lot it's, of companies... It's not bad. No, especially, you know, for SMEs who, you know, are struggling. That's brilliant. Obviously, they need it needs to be a, a quality placement for them as well. Yeah, and um, they need to offer some training and some actual practical work for, for these young people to do while they're there. So it's not... It's not money for nothing by any means. But, you know, that's a good amount of money that they'll be able to make very good use of over the next few months and years. Yeah, and there is it, there is a £10 million, um, pot for it. So, you know, hopefully a lot of businesses will be able to make use of it. I'll be very interested to see. So we, we did a survey with the Institute of Directors in April and at that point there was just, um, just one in 10 businesses were said they were going to offer a placement in 2021. So we'll be really interested to see... Um, I think it's between yes, yeah, so the twenty they've got they can claim this between the twenty seventh of May this year and July next year. So I'll be interested to see in that in you know those fourteen months how many businesses then say they will offer them and what a difference you know it really will make. Well, um, it's definitely a step in the right direction. Let's do another survey and and see what they say. We will do. And another thing, uh, so. Yesterday, um, we published quite a long piece on the idea of mental fitness, which I thought was really interesting. I've covered, well, we've both covered mental health, the student and staff mental health, you know, numerous times, especially over the past year. And actually, this notion of mental fitness was was a new one to me before I spoke to Sophie. I don't know if you I'm speaking to kind of hear what you think it sort of means and what the people that you took that you spoke to how they define it because I you know I wasn't really aware of it as a concept never mind the fact that you you know you train it like you would your body in a gym yeah so um it's it's an app that was so there's a learning platform developed by a company called Fika and they're a mental health organization and the idea is that there are seven key skills to mental fitness and these are connection stress meaning positivity focus motivation and confidence and the idea is that each person can improve upon those skills just like you improve upon you know your stamina when you go running or how many weights you can lift or whatever so the idea is that these seven skills are ones that will enable you that when you have a challenge or you face a tough situation you'll be able to deal with it better because you have you know resilience um the confidence you know you you have these these skills so they're saying for staff well it is for both staff and students but for students particularly um at the moment they really do need those skills and those are skills that will take them you know everyone talks about oh who knows what jobs they'll be in the future workplace blah blah blah, blah. Right. um so these are skills that no matter what jobs they will have no matter what you know formal qualifications they have if you've got these seven skills you're you're in a really good position 
Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, with the learner platform, you each you get a certificate in each of these seven skills. Once you, it, it's like it's like five minute short, one to five minute exercises that you can do at the start of a lesson, or you could do it in tutorial groups. It's on your phone, so you could, they could do it at home as well. Um, and because you get a certificate, it, it is something that students can put on their CVs to say that they've got a certificate in these skills. So I think it's really helpful and. Um, NCFE um, have agreed to fund. So for the past year, they've been funding about 80 colleges to have it free for a year to see how they get on. Right. And David Gallagher, the chief executive, was really, really keen on this, really keen. And he was really encouraging. So I spoke to both him, um, the founder of FICA, a guy called Nick Bennett, and also Kat Draper, who is the principal of Kidderminster College, um, which is part of the NCG group. And they have been, they were the first college group to roll it out across all their colleges and Kat was was leading with that. So I think it seems like it has made a real difference on the ground, but I'll let two people who are much more um, experienced than me in this talk about it. So here's a couple of clips. So first of all, we've got David Gallagher, who's talking about why NCFE have invested in it and the importance of it. And then after him, you'll have a clip from Kat Draper, the principal of Kidderminster College, who will talk about the impact that it's had on her students. One of the things, I mean, I've probably even spoken to you about it, and one of the things that, that I personally have obsessed about for a long time is is what I describe as meta skills. Yeah. So, the, and, and when I say meta skills, what I mean is the skills that underpin, amplify, and transcend every other skill. So things like adaptability, you know, resilience, emotional intelligence. So the partly skills, partly uh, behavioural characteristics, really. And, and the reason, the reason a long time ago they became very important to me is when, when my son was two, um, I started obsessing about my mortality, you know, thinking what, what will happen if I die? What will happen to my son? What do I what, want to do to set him up? So I did all of the, you know, the usual, got my will sorted, got my insurances, wrote some things down, etc., etc. And then I came across, um, it was it, the World Economic Forum's top 10 skills for 2020. So this was my son's just turned eight, so that was six years ago that I saw it again, having seen it a couple of years previous. And within that top ten at the time was things like adaptability, resilience, creativity, problem solving, emotional intelligence. And it was just that light bulb of a moment where I thought, you know what, if my son has got most of those top ten skills, he'll be all right. You know, whatever happens to me, whatever happens to him in his life, he'll figure it out and he'll be okay. Um, following that, I've done, I suppose, quite a lot of reflection, quite a lot of research, quite a lot of you know, thinking about it, having conversations about it. Then fast forward about three years, it must have been, and I, I arrived at NCFE. And that was the first time I'd ever really looked in a lot of detail at the curriculum within technical and vocational and within tertiary education. And if I'm honest, I was, I was horrified, actually, that there was a lack of hardwiring that stuff into the curriculum. Do you know, it was English, maths, digital, vocational and technical. And of course, all of that stuff is hugely, hugely important. Um, but unless you've got those meta skills, well, actually, are you really going to survive and thrive in the, the way that the world works now, Do you know, shifting so dynamically, how the labour market changes, how skills need changes, even, you know, big disruptions to society, like, I mean, we've experienced it, yeah. like, like, all the time in the last year. So I started then really thinking about, you know, now that I'm at an awarding organisation that happens to be an educational charity, how do we get meta-skills right to the core of the curriculum? 
so that, you know, whatever you start in life, whatever happens, you know, whatever uh, disadvantage you might face personally, that you've got the real core meta skills that give you the opportunity, well, the ability to, to adapt, to respond, to, you know, get through tough periods. Um, so that's sort of the back, back story in the context. And then when when we came across uh, Figure in the Mental Fitness app, do you know the Mental Fitness digital platform? Yeah. Um, they were obviously relatively early on in their journey, and we thought that was then a really smart way to, to get that out to as many people as possible um, in a, you know, a digitally enabled way that can, you know, you can wake my, my feet are set for half seven in the morning. So, you know, not that I always get time, but if I do, I'll hop on then because my, my, my head's usually pretty clear, you know, decluttered from the day. So we thought, we thought it was a brilliant idea generally, but then obviously we met them just at the start of the pandemic as well. Um, and doing a lot of research with, with, uh, college leaders, leaders of providers, starting to speak to students. It was apparent that people were going to need additional support to get them back up to a, a reasonable level of mental fitness, but then to take it beyond that. Um, so mental fitness and meta skills are not precisely the same thing, but they are very deeply interconnected. So, you know, things like adaptability, adaptability and resilience comes through being mentally fit and healthy. Um, so for us, it was then it was just, a, I, I suppose, something that as an educational charity, first and foremost, and considering the impact of the pandemic, it just felt like the right thing to do to put some of our resources into trying to get this out to as many learners ultimately as, as possible. Yeah, actually, in terms of practice, I guess it might vary, you know, depending on the colleges and NCG. But is it something that you do in just tutorials or is it activities that you could do before starting, say, any lesson? Yeah, so so we were working um, on the development of the thought for the day. Um, so there was one minute resources and then five minute resources that we were able to embed within. Um, but basically our team's lessons at, at, at the point of, you know, yeah. still looking at remote delivery. Um, but now in person, obviously, activities in classrooms, when, when it can be in any lesson. So you can yeah. be in a GCSE English lesson and the teacher will, you know, um, get everybody to get their smartphones out and people would do the kind of, you know, either the one minute thought for the day piece or as a discussion topic as starter activity or, or they would take them through a five minute um, piece of work. Um, and, and actually, students are really quite... Um, uh, motivated towards doing that. I think one of the things that we did do early stages was pull together some some student focus groups um, with FICA. So we had some of our students spent quite a, a while with them, Dr. Fran. Yes. Um, so um, when they were doing some further development on their resources, um, we were definitely able to kind of skew it towards things that students um, were keen to see and, and uh, bits of work that students were keen to focus on. Do you, so, do you know what, what sort of things they, those were? Um, it was the bit about connection was was really important to students. So I think um, for them, um, being in in lockdown um, did really add to those feelings of isolation. And some of them, you know, some of our students are living in in quite difficult circumstances, yeah. um, uh, where whereas they're necessarily very positive. Um, and, and that um, ability for them to connect with others, not even necessarily their friends at that point, but almost anonymously and, you know, to get sort of support from a community of, of others who are also sort of interested in talking about their own well-being and mental fitness at that point was really, really important to some, to some of our students. Um, the, other, the other thing that, that um, our students were um, 
really quite focused on was that element around positivity um, and resilience. And um, we saw quite a, a major impact on our, our students' mental health, really, through, through lockdown um, in terms of their concerns about their life after the pandemic mm. and the opportunities that they might have. And, you know, so, for example, um, as you can imagine, those those of our students who were on our travel and tourism course yeah. um, were, were feeling really quite negative and downhearted about the fact that, you know, they had ambitions to go into a sector which was in free fall at that point in time. Um, you know, there, all of the airlines were making redundancies, all of the, you know, I think Chewy had gone um, bankrupt. Yeah. Um, and I think that that um, being able to use the resources in, in looking at that element around positivity, recognising um, what you're in control of and what you're not in control of, um, and also looking at strategies for change uh, and dealing with changing circumstances was, was something that was so useful um, at a point in time where you had got, you know, huge numbers of learners who had already made quite... Um, quite difficult um, and um, focused decisions about what sector they were going to um, aspire to be in, only to have the rug pulled out from underneath their feet um, in, in some respects uh, in terms of some of these sectors. So those, those elements around positivity, dealing with change, staying motivated, um, being resilient, you know, those, those sorts of things were, were um, the ones that they focused. Weirdly, we thought the communication one would be the one that we we would need to use um, more often, um, and and that still is something where students are quite resistant. Um, so they're quite happy to be behind the screen. They're quite happy yeah. to be on their phones and messaging, um, actually talking face to face and um, picking up a telephone in particular are are things where our students actually really struggle with those key skills that are going to be required in in their working lives. So. You know, sometimes we have to do, you know, we have to push the things that are going to really benefit them in the future, but that they don't have a natural affinity for. It's so brilliant. I think, you know, like Kat said, then the fact that, you know, for many students, their whole worlds have changed over the past year for travel and tourism students. Their industry has gone, you know, to pot and having these skills of positivity, knowing that you can't change what you can't change. That's and being right. in control yeah. and being able to adapt. Those are crucial skills for for our students I think that it's a really actually a really really interesting idea and I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out over the next few years in the sector. Absolutely I can see many more colleges adopting that because it is so important and like you say we've we've done so much reporting now on the impact the last year's had on everyone's mental health um, and so any kind of tools that anyone can be given to to help it work with that better you know great. Yeah, and I think the, the crucial thing about it for me as well is that I think a lot of the time staff can can feel like they're just constantly putting out fires at college. A student gets to crisis point, they go to they go to counselling, they help them, and they put in you know a new plan in place. But the students already reach crisis point by the time they go to counselling. So the whole point of this is strengthening everybody's mental fitness so that you don't get to that point. You can yeah. you can deal with it, and obviously there's a whole load of stuff that goes around that as well. Clearly, we still need to be you know offering the counselling and making sure that students do get the right support. But I think it's a great thing, you know, a great start. On Just the build road. that resilience, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, so please go go and read that if you get a chance. And any colleges that have tried the app or maybe are trying similar things, like get in touch with us. Let us know. We'd, we'd love to hear about them. And that's it for today. We'll leave you there, and obviously. 
good luck to everybody tonight at the FE Awards. Um, Make sure you tune in, even if you are not shortlisted. It's a great uplifting hour um, and you can still sign up uh, on the website and uh, you wouldn't want to miss it. No, and you have to say as well, the shortlist is full of so many wonderful colleges and people. Every single person on that shortlist could have been a winner. It is really tough. The judges found it so tough. Um, You know, as always, there are fisticuffs when people want certain (laughs) certain ones over others, you know, a bit of drama. That's what we like. But, um, you know, everybody is a really well-deserving winner. And even if you don't win, that doesn't mean that you weren't also, you know, a really worthy candidate because... That's right. And we'll be sharing the winner stories uh, as soon as we can um, after they've been announced. So you'll be able to read much more about what it was that set them apart um, as you wipe away your tears because it wasn't you this year. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, it is, like Kate says, being shortlisted is is a great achievement uh, in these awards in particular because it's such a competitive field. Um, And uh, so, yeah, make make sure you watch tonight. Yeah, and everybody, you know, who's going on half-term... Um, after tonight as well have a a wonderful break try and get some rest and we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks